Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. I wonder what it must have been like for Noah, waiting and waiting. After 120 years, God finally says to Noah, "I need you to get on the ark. Judgment is coming." And so Noah gets on the ark with his wife and his son Ham and his son Shem and his son Japheth and their wives. Eight people on the ark. After 120 years of building this thing, finally they're able to get on the ark. So remember, God said to Noah, I want two of every kind of animal. You know, not every species, you know, and not every specific type of animal, but every kind. So two of every kind of dog, two of every kind of the cat kind, two of every kind of the bear kind. And he's getting those animals on two by two. But then God says, I want you to have seven pairs of every clean animal. Every clean animal, seven pairs. I want extra of those animals on the ark. I don't want just male and female. I want six more pairs. Why? Because God knew when Noah landed, when Noah was done with these days on the ark, that he's going to have to sacrifice. And God wanted him to sacrifice clean animals to him. Not unclean animals, but clean animals. And to sacrifice them to him. And so he said, to Noah, listen, you've got to have extra of those animals because if you're going to offer a sacrifice to me, the two you've got, you've basically wiped out a whole species, a whole kind. I think that's interesting that God knew in advance that Noah was going to have to worship him and was going to have to offer sacrifices to him and he prepared him so he could do that. And so Noah gets on the ark. But I wonder if it was sad, because they knew what was about to happen. And I wonder if they sat there thinking, did we do everything right? Did we do everything as God commanded? Did we get the best cypress wood that we could? Did we cover it in all the places we could with pitch so that no water can come in? And then the animals probably started following right after them. It says in Genesis chapter 7 that God says, get on the ark and for the next seven days the animals are slowly two by two i can imagine going up into the ark mr and mrs elephant get on the ark here comes mr and mrs rabbit boing 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 get on the ark here comes mr and mrs sloth taken forever to get 
on the arc. Maybe they picked them up and took them on. I don't know. But slowly they caught all the animals on the ark. Noah's thinking, judgment's coming. But when? Judgment is just around the corner. And, and how long am I going to have to wait? And I've been working on this thing for years. And I've got to wait and wait. And then he remembers God said, seven days, Noah. Judgment's coming. If you can wait 120 years, you can wait seven days. Get on the ark. Seven days, the flood's coming. I wonder, you know, day one, as he's helping the animals get on the ark, he's pacing back and forth. Day two, he's he's helping all the sheep on. He's helping Mr. and Mrs. Cow. Day three, day four, day five, is he pacing back and forth, waiting for the flood for day seven? Days. It must have been exciting to see all these animals gather, but it also must have been frightening. I mean, to think about it, the flood's coming. He's probably never seen a huge giant flood. This is probably the first boat he's seen, and this is the world's biggest boat until about the 1800s. He's never seen anything like this. He's never understood anything like this. And on top of that, this whole idea of all of humanity, everything that breathes air, is going to be wiped out. That must have been exciting but frightening all at the same time. Well, finally, the last animal boards the ark and it's put in a stall. And I don't know how soon... Noah did that you know was he a planner and you know five days before in case something bad happens three days before we're going to do this two days or as it says God brought the animals to the ark and when they showed up he put them in its stall when they showed up he put it somewhere and he just hoped to have enough room for all the animals or was it to the last moment when that final animal jumped on on day seven I also think that door to the ark, it was open. Anybody could get on for the next seven days. Anybody could get on, not just the animals. All the humans who wanted to believe Noah, who decided to follow Yahweh, who decided to leave their pursuit of demonic beings and all that they had to offer these fallen angels that were just running rampant in the earth and people were following them and they could have left that and followed the one true God Yahweh they could have stopped listening to their friends and followed the one true God Yahweh they could have got on that boat any time in these seven days to join Noah and his family but you know how many did zero Zero. And the more I look at Noah, I am more and more convinced that that offer of salvation is so typified and is just beautifully illustrated by the story of Noah and the flood. Judgment is coming. Get on the boat. The door is flung open. Will you do it? Nobody did. Judgment is coming. 
Salvation is offered through Jesus Christ. God sent his son to die on the cross to fulfill that perfect sacrifice. And all you have to do is accept his salvation and follow him and choose to put your believing loyalty in Jesus and live for him. That's all you got to do. But you know how many people won't? And when judgment comes, and the Bible seems to indicate it's going to come like the flood. It's going to come fast. It's going to come without warning. It's it's going to be here. And some of you listening to this will face death. You know, eventually you'll die and, and you'll think, oh, I'll call to God just before I die. But death comes suddenly, right? And you're not ready for it. And you never sought Jesus. You never got to know him. You never put your faith and trust in him. You never got on the ark. And many of us believe that the Lord could come back at any time. His second coming could arrive at any time. It's imminent. It's now. It's like the flood. It could show up. Will you get on the ark? Will you safely get inside the arms of the love of Jesus? The offer's there. The door is open, but many of you won't. Well, finally, on that seventh day, it says the heavens open and the rain started to fall. And I also think it's interesting. It says that God shut Noah and his family in the ark. He's the one who shut that door. And I wonder, as the rain started to fall and people experienced rain for the first time and they realized that as the waters began to rise and it says that the heavens open and that the deep released its waters. So water's coming from below with these big water chambers releasing its water. And then it says water's coming from above. For the first time, the heavens rent open and rain fell in torrents. And I wonder if people looked at the ark who were around the ark. And when they realized that the rain was falling, did they make a run for the ark before that door closed? Did they try to get on before that door closed? And just as the God shut the door, their hand hit the ark. They were too late. Or did they even try? I think people were thinking, whoa, what is this? Hey, more water, more rain. Oh, this is a little violent. I don't know how we're going to handle this, but this is ridiculous to get on the ark. I'm going to trust me. We're going to run up to a mountain. Everything will be fine. I don't think anybody tried to get on that ark because they were so far from God. Well, the rain started to fall and the rain fell for the next 40 days. It rained and it rained and it rained. We're talking heavy, heavy rain. It says in Genesis that it rained for 40 whole days. Okay, Noah was on the ark for seven days. Then it began to rain for 40 days. But this wasn't just a sprinkling of rain. This was torrential 
downpour the world has never seen and ponds began to fill up and rivers began to back up and lakes began to fill up and water began to cover the whole earth. It says that after that 40 days, that water, it went all the way to the top of the mountains to the point where water was above the top of the peaks of the mountains. That's how much water covered the earth. And people can't doggy paddle that long, and especially with the speed of that rushing water. Many were probably drowned in the first day, and then many more people were drowned after 10 days as the water levels rose and rose. And they, I can imagine they started to run up the mountains. The animals started to run up the mountains and tried to get higher and higher, but the water kept coming and coming and coming and getting higher and higher and higher. And those who couldn't get to high ground... They drowned. Those animals who couldn't get up there, they were wiped out. And after 40 days, this is not just your average rain. This is a torrential downpour of the likes we have never seen before. It fundamentally changed the whole world. It tore up continents, changed landscapes. Whole parts of the world were ripped apart as water came up. And then as water was coming down, it fundamentally changed the look, the nature of the land. And people were wiped out. And it says that after 40 days, that torrential rain pour stopped. And now you have this massive boat with the animals safely inside. And I wonder if Noah's running around checking all the sides. Oh, I don't have a leak there. Don't have a leak there. Don't have a leak there. Oh, I got a leak there. I got to put my finger in there. Quick, get some pitch. Get some pitch. And they finally got all the leaks. For 150 days, this water began to fill the earth. And this water continued to wreck and destroy all humanity. So 40 days, it pours. Then according to the Bible, 110 days after that, water is just completely covering the earth. So 150 days of water destroying all life, totally rewriting the look of the planet and continents and totally rewriting the way the earth looks. It's amazing to me that God, the creator of the universe, created this beautiful earth that he said it is good after seven days. Even after sin corrupted it, right? After Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, this was still probably an amazing creation. And God said, because of sin, I'm willing to wipe it all out. Because evil is in man's thoughts continually, I'm willing to wipe it all out. And start again. Well, finally, after that 150 days, the water began to recede. It took another 150 days for all of the water to slowly recede, to slowly go back. Finally, after 40 days, the rain stops. But this boat doesn't have a rudder. It doesn't have any way to control it. 
it is totally given to the waves. Wherever the wave sends it, that boat is going to go. If the waves are big, it's going to go up a big wave and come crashing down. And I wonder if they got seasick in the middle of that for the first 150 torrential days. And then I wonder if it became calm. No one noticed, I think, the change. It stopped raining, and so he said, let's find out how much land we have. And so it says in Genesis that Noah sent out a raven. Now, ravens are those tough birds that nobody really likes. I don't think anybody loves a raven. But ravens like to eat carrion. They like to eat dead animals, and so it can probably survive. And so Noah sends the raven out, and it comes back. So indicating to Noah there's no land for the raven to land on and live. And so he sends it out again and it comes back. So then he thinks, well, I've got to also send out another animal, maybe one that won't just land on a dead animal and stay. I want to know if there's actual land. So Noah then sends out a dove. Probably thinking, I hope you come back because if you don't come back, we're in trouble, Mrs. Dove. So the dove heads out flies around, finds nowhere to land, and comes back. Now Noah can see the top of the mountains, right? As the water begins to recede, he can see the top of the mountains, but mountains tend to be bleak, barren places. And it does say in Genesis 2 that God was sending out a wind to dry the water away, to dry it all up. I don't know how strong that wind was, but it was enough that maybe the bird found it hard to fly. And it doesn't really say in Genesis what happened to the raven. I wonder if he found a nice big chunk of dead animal and started to eat on that, even though it was floating. And I wonder if Noah thought, I can't really trust the raven. The fact that it's not coming back is a good sign. But this dove, it'll want a nest. It'll want something nice to eat. And finally, he sends out the dove and it comes back. But this time it comes back. There's something in its mouth and I can imagine it lands in the cage and it's a leaf. It says in the Bible that it came back with an olive leaf. That means not only was there land available, but now we're starting to see vegetation come back to see trees come back and so he sends out the dove again and i wonder what it'll come back with this time and well it doesn't come back doesn't come back at all and he waits and he waits and he waits and and he doesn't come back at all and yes i can imagine that noah and mrs noah are high-fiving that is a great sign the dove has not come back So imagine with me, 150 days, it is torrential rain pouring down, destroying the earth. And then for the next 150 days, a strong, constant wind driving the water away and slowly drying up the whole planet, sending out ravens and doves to find out if they can finally get off this boat. And at the end of the 150 days... It is getting good. The water is receding. Now remember, this whole time, Noah is stuck on the top of a mountain. And I'm sure he's looking around and seeing all the water receding and going away, maybe. Maybe he's poking his head way out and looking up. Or maybe he all he can see is this dove. I don't know. But he's stuck on the top of Mount Ararat, which 
We have no clue where it is. We have a rough idea. We think it might be in the Iran, Iraq, Russia mountainous regions, which is a vast area to search. And people have been wanting to find it. And some people think they have found it. And wouldn't it be cool if they did? But all we know is that Noah was stuck on the top of a mountain in his boat. And he's been in that boat for 300 days. 300 days. And he's probably dying to get off the boat. Can you imagine the stink in there? And I'm sure they had ventilation systems. And they were way more advanced in technology than I think we realize. And I think they had ways to ventilate out all the bad smell. But can you imagine being stuck on a boat for 300 days? Well, after the land finally dries out, Noah has been on the ark for 377 days. Or one year and 17 days, finally, God opens the door of the ark. Down comes the door. Oh, and I think they're so excited. And I wonder if Noah and his family were the first to rush off. Maybe maybe the cheetahs were, because they really wanted to stretch their legs. Or I think the dog was, maybe they wanted to check it out. And maybe the elephant's like, I have got to get off this thing. And boom, down comes the door. After a year and 17 days on the ark, they are able to come off the ark. And it is so exciting. Oh, the fresh air. Oh, to walk on ground. But I also think there might have been, again, a tinge of sadness. I wonder if they thought of their friends. They thought back to their own family and their old house and home. It's gone. It's wiped out. Well, Noah comes out of the ark And he immediately begins to worship God. It says in Genesis chapter 8 that Noah built an altar. And he took those clean animals that he had brought for this very thing and he sacrificed them to the Lord. Evil had been wiped out. And now the world was starting fresh again with one man whose heart was true to God. It says in verse 21 that when the Lord smelled the soothing aroma of this sacrifice, that God said, I'm never going to curse the ground because of humankind again. And I'm never going to destroy the world like I did with this flood ever again. Then it says that God says, while the earth continues to exist, planting time and harvest time, cold and heat, summer and winter and day and night will never cease. God says, I will never, ever wipe out the earth again with a flood. He says, I'll never wipe out the earth again with a flood, I promise. And you know what, Noah, to make this covenant, this promise with you, Look up in the sky. Noah maybe turned around and he looked up. And he saw a beautiful arch. 
a beautiful arch colored in, in all the colors of the rainbow, right? God made a rainbow in the sky and said, look at those colors. Look at that arch. That's a sign that I'm going to keep this covenant. And one of my promises to you is I will never, ever wipe out the earth again with a flood. But then he said, Noah, I want to make a covenant with you that says, I want you to fill this earth. Like the promise I made to Adam and Eve, I told them to be fruitful and multiply. Well, I'm making that same covenant with you, Noah. I want you to fill this earth. And I want you to fill it with ideas and stuff and technology and buildings and humanity. And I just want you to fill it up. And by the way, when you go fill this thing up, don't worry, Noah. These animals that you've left off the ark, they're not just going to attack you. God says, I'm going to fill these animals with terror of you so that you can control them. So that you can use them for your good. And also, Noah... I want you to start eating meat. I want you to start eating of these animals. It says in Genesis chapter 9 verse 3, you may eat any moving things that live. You used to just eat greens like broccoli and vegetables and fruit. That's what you used to eat, Noah. Now you can eat meat. See that beautiful deer over there? You can have some of that meat. See that cow? See that bull? Man, telling you they're gonna make some great steaks someday you can eat of them you can eat and then the other thing noah in this covenant that i'm making with you symbolized by that rainbow you now have the right to exact judgment on other human beings basically god in this covenant said noah you have the right to set up a government And you have the right, it says in chapter 9, verse 6, that whoever sheds human blood by other humans must his blood be shed. For in God's image, God has made humankind. Noah, now you have the right to exact revenge and vengeance upon those who kill other people in my name. You can exact revenge on them because I am going to use government as a way to correct this evil that just ran rampant through the earth, I now give you, Noah, the right to set up a government. And if somebody kills somebody, you have the right to exact capital punishment. You have the right to take life for life. You didn't before, but now I'm granting you that ability. You know why I'm doing that, Noah? Because every human being is made in the image of God. And I want you to bear that image throughout this whole planet. And we've got to get busy. We've got to fill this earth up again. We've got to fill it up. And he says, go forth, increase abundantly, and multiply. You know, it's interesting to me that God says, go forth and multiply. You are a righteous man. I love you, Noah. You are going to choose to do right. But God also knew that sin didn't quit. That inside the heart of man was still sinfulness. And and we're still caught up with pride and we're still rejecting God because God said, I still want you to exact vengeance. Later on, Paul says that the government is set up 
to establish God's judgment and justice in this earth. That's why we have police officers. That's why we have the army. That's why we have rules and laws to stop bad people doing bad things and to encourage good people to do good things. God knew Noah and his descendants were going to do good things, but he also knew Noah and his descendants were going to do bad things. And then he says, because I am almighty God, I've made this covenant with you, Noah. He says in verse 13, I'm going to place this rainbow in the clouds and it's going to be a sign of this covenant. It's going to be a guarantee between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, then I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all kinds and never again will I destroy it with a flood. In verse 16, when the rainbow is in the clouds, I will notice it. And remember the perpetual covenant between God, between me and all living creatures and all mankind. This is the guarantee of the covenant that I am confirming between all living things and you. So next time you see a rainbow, stop and think about the goodness of God that says, I'm never going to wipe out the world through a flood again. And the goodness of God that says, I'm going to set up governments and give man the right to exact revenge and vengeance on my behalf because we've got to stamp out evil, but we've got to also set up laws on my behalf to encourage good. And all that is wrapped up in the beautiful rainbow. And, and now you can eat meat. Next time you see a rainbow, think, wow, thank the Lord for steak and pork and chicken wings and fried chicken. Whatever it happens to be that's meat and protein, think of the rainbow. And man, thank God for that. But I also think next time you see a rainbow... Think of God's judgment, too. Think of the fact that God had to send a flood because man got so bad. Think about the fact that God, even after the flood wiped out all humanity except for eight people, God still had to set up laws and government because he knew the heart of man would go off the rails and pursue self. He knew our bent was towards evil. So next time you see a rainbow, think of the beauty of God and how much he's given us. But also remind yourself of the coming judgment. Because he says, I'm never going to wipe out the earth with a flood again. But God says later on in the Bible that he will one day create a new heaven and a new earth. And he's going to wipe out the old earth. He's not going to do it through a flood this time. It says in the future, he is going to wipe it out with fire. The whole earth will just burn away. The glory of the new heaven and the new earth will come forth. But are you going to be part of that new heaven and new earth? Are you going to be part of that wonderful chorus of people? who are calling out to God and worshiping his name forever and ever, and with him, all evil wiped out. 
with our Lord forever. Are you going to be part of that? Are you going to be caught up in the flood? And you're going to miss the boat. The door's shut. You're going to be wiped out for eternity. Noah and the Floods is an exciting story. But it's also a challenging story. I hope we're ready. I hope by putting your faith in Jesus Christ that you are on the ark of the safety of Jesus. That you are on God's ark. Protected by his son. I pray that for you today. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.